0: Welcome to Get Behind Fanny, a podcast dedicated to the behind-the-scenes stories of the music, the members, and the musicians influenced by the rock group Fanny, the godmothers of women who rock. And welcome, fellow rockers, to the Get Behind Fanny podcast, where we'll dive headfirst into the world of 70s rock group fanny, and I'm your host, Byron Wilkins, and Joining me on these audio adventures is none other than drummer Alice DeBure. Hello, Alice.
1: Hi, Byron. <laughs>
0: I know. Don't ask me how I am because I suck.
1: <laughs> that's, that's exactly why I didn't ask.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: <laughs> it's a running theme, which makes yep. me sad.
0: Oh, I know. Hey, it's the world. Yeah. And also on the podcast is daughter of fanny manager Roy Silver, Dr. Kristen Hilaire Glasgow. Hello, Kristen.
2: Hello, Byron. Hello, Alice. Hello, everyone. I am just diving right in because we have incredibly exciting news. The re-release of Fanny's first self-titled album on white vinyl sold out in less than 10 days so mm-hmm. thank you isn't that amazing oh, yeah. that's pretty yeah. cool isn't that cool thanks yep. to everyone out there who did this thanks Ricky Ketchum for tweeting the pic of the white vinyl there was a debate on Twitter whether or not to open up the album or keep it preserved so it was way cool to see the inside and also just shout out to all the Fanny fans who are sending us in questions and supporting us in this podcast Nigel Landridge Justin Pate Darren Menard T-Bone Madley Jimmy Armstrong Jim Noonan the Port bellows francesco francesca excuse me and also <laughs> colleen k we screwed up last time oh we happy did. belated 21st birthday happy birthday oh. hope you
1: celebrated oh. well We's yes 21. we, we apologize for that
2: <laughs> we missed it but we we've been thinking about you so happy birthday colleen
0: legal to get drunk now go for it, it.
2: exactly <laughs> i was just <laughs> so I, am,
0: uh, I encourage heavy drinking
2: <laughs> <laughs> only when you're 21 so it's only allowed 20, <laughs>
0: that's right and uh, another shout out to uh, a facebook fanny fan uh kevin michael leblanc who's just like a diehard fan and picking up all types of cool shit uh, it's amazing <laughs> the stuff he's pulled out so anyway just want to say hi to kevin hi kevin Mm
2: -hmm. so Alice we have a bunch of questions actually for you on the hashtag ask Alice but this one made me laugh and I wanted to hear your response to it Mr. Steele which is the only name we got he said quote maybe it's a sign of the time coupled with it being such a great song anyway I was sitting the other night listening to conversation with a cop out of nowhere a little notification flashes up on my desktop a desktop a message on YouTube early enough but also awesome it's only Alice to freaking Bure responding to one of my many comments my fanboy moment just thought I'd throw that in there and would love it if you could tell us what was your first fangirl moment as part of Fanny I mean was there any artist you played with where you were really starstruck and then he said loving the podcast many thanks from the hills in Donegal
1: oh that's great that's really that cool? sweet yeah it is cool and I and I I think I've mentioned it before, but the, the person, the first time that I really, really, really was starstruck was Barbara Streisand. Mm. When we recorded with her, um, it was, you know, little Alice DeBure from Mason city, Iowa, you just recorded with Barbara Streisand, you know, <laughs> and when we met the Beatles and, and Mick Jagger and, and Procol Haram and Chicago and all the other bands that we toured with and opened for it was, I was not starstruck. Like I was with Barbara Streisand. That was that was the biggie for me. And for those that don't know, how did you work with her? Uh, we recorded live with her two songs on the Barbara Jones Streisand album. Uh, Richard Perry was producing that album and she came in and uh, Where You Lead and Space Captain were the two songs that we did live with her. Wow. She was absolutely uh gracious and kind and welcoming it was it was pretty cool and then both june and i did some overdubbing um after i overdubbed a drum part that jim capaldi had screwed up and i remember thinking
0: (laughs) nice yeah that is nice and and for our young fans go google barbara streisand
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's That hurts. Yes, though. Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) That does hurt. (laughs) Yes. So the other question, a lot of questions that have been coming in to (laughs) the entire band, but also for our podcast, is our intro to the podcast, which is borrowed time, and for those that don't know the term, our outro of the podcast, which is charity ball. So we decided to devote the majority of this episode to our intro and outro.
1: Well, uh, the the thing that grabs me in that first verse is June's guitar. Um, she had th- the the best growling rhythm that could be. She she played a great rhythm guitar anyway, and by by this point in our career, she was doing leads. But when she nailed that rhythm part in the first verse, I'm I'm like loving it.
0: Yeah, and the sound on Fanny Hill, her guitar sound had uh was a hundred times better than the first two albums and that's partly yes. the engineering i won't get into that but uh but she had developed a, a good sound uh at this point in time yep. and, and, it, and you can really tell in fanny hill that you know and, and on mother's pride that she had developed her sound
2: Definitely your own style. And and I was lucky enough to speak to both June and Jean again this week. And I asked June about her, quote, growling rhythm guitar, because I so agree with you, Alice. That's such a perfect description. And here's what she had to say.
3: Well, if Borrowed Time was recorded at Apple, then I had, I believe, a couple of amps and a couple of guitars available to me. With respect to my growling guitar, I mean, I think that was generally my sound. It could have been either my, my Les Paul or my es355 both of which can produce that kind of sound i doubt that i did both guitars i mean i could have doubled it my guess is that it was my 56 les paul through one of my big amps i don't remember having a pedal you know in terms of overdrive or you know whatever that sound is i think i just turned up my amp
0: uh, I would agree. I mean, I'm no guitarist, and she's obviously the expert at this, but it sounds like her Les Paul to me, the, from the Les Paul sounds I've heard on other guitars and all that. that this It's just got that, uh, that crunchy sound that Les Pauls can pull out.
1: Yeah, well, June has always told this story, and, and I'm not sure if it was borrowed time or not, but um, she was getting her guitar set up. Jeff Emmerich was our engineer, and Richard came out to the studio and turned her amp down to like three or four. And June got pissed. And so she said, she was so good. She This was really good. She said to Jeff Emmerich, how do you get that uh, guitar sound for George Harrison? What what level is his amp at? And Jeff said, 11. So the amp went back up. June had the dirt, dirty guitar sound. And Richard shut yeah. up. Yeah, it was pretty cool.
2: <laughs> that is way cool. And that's also pre-Spinal Tap. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Again, pioneering.
4: <laughs> well,
2: Jean yeah. also spoke about June's playing. So let's hear a little bit about that.
4: I mean, June, you always played so great. I just didn't even pay attention because, because I knew it was going to be great no matter what I thought.
3: Well, and vice versa. I mean, you're totally slamming uh, on the bass. I didn't give it a second thought because that's what you did.
4: We just And didn't the didn't way that you're it. pounding it. Yeah, we just didn't think about each other's playing. We just relied on the other people really delivering while we were doing especially during recording we were so tuned in to listen to each other i wasn't noticing if you were having a pedal or not i just didn't i was just listening because because we were separated uh in the studio so i couldn't really see anyway you know
3: alice's part is really you know is really honking as well so uh you know she's playing four on the floor on the snare and it's um, i don't really hear the kick so much you know it really does the job i mean it's you you can hear our intent you know when i listen to a lot of music now i don't feel that burn and that burn comes from within it's not like you can just play and call it up you know the sounds that we did and how the the overall uh, recording and the fullness of it comes from our intent within you know we not only did we know that we had to project outside of ourselves But we were really uh, doing it, you know, and you can feel that. You can absolutely feel that. It's not just the sounds. It's us.
2: Yeah. 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 And and just to clarify, the first part was Gene, and then the second part was June. So.
1: Yeah. And the the thing that strikes me from June's comment, um, we had gotten to the point, it didn't take us very long to trust each other as musicians. Um, It was, there was never... Uh, a hesitation that somebody was going to play the wrong part or the wrong note or screw up a song. And that trust is what you hear in how tight we are. I think that that really is part of the tightness of the band. But Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the lyrics on this song too, because Nick Nikki's lyrics, um, Byron, you mentioned a, a podcast ago about her being a poet and Mm-hmm. Even even as much as you can call it a poet, it's. She, I think she was so far ahead of the time in the subject matter, you
2: mm-hmm. know? Completely agree. I mean, Borrowed Time, the lyrics, you know, being written in 1971, 72. And for, you know, Alice, do you want to tell us what the song was about?
1: Yeah, she, she was writing about rock and rollers who uh, were living on Borrowed Time, basically, and... Maybe they had one hit. Maybe they had two hits. And you sit high with your servants at your feet, warming over your stone cold tea. Toast sweet wine to the ladies on the street who got down on their backs for free. And, you know, it's 1972.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But as a
2: woman to be speaking those lyrics, I mean, or singing oh, yeah. those lyrics, that's incredible.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: And, well, and... Um, you kind of call them posers or whatever and um she uh, actually is not a fan of those type of people uh she's chatting to me about that and um not to pick on ZZ top but uh yeah. she
4: uh, played it
0: to them one day and you know because uh you know i mean they're they're talented enough and all that but you know they uh they had a big hit with you know they they kind of commercialized themselves a little bit and she was just tearing them into them a little bit and I just went, well, I'm a ZZ Top fan, but again, and this is where she gets pissed at me because I don't really listen to their lyrics. And, oh, <laughs> you know, and, and the same with her. this song. This, oh, yeah. The same with, oh, she hates me for it. And, <laughs> and the thing this song, I really, it's like, yeah, the lyrics are there and it's just, but it's a, it's, I like the tune. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a rocker. It's, a, it's one of your upbeat things. And that's how I am. And and now that you talk about it, I go, oh, wow, those are incredible lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it only took me 40 years, 48 years to get into it. But anyway. Well, but it's yeah. funny
2: because Jean actually, at a certain point, ended up singing uh, the vocals to this song.
4: Well, she was talking about the rock and roller who was just living on borrowed time. You know, somebody who was on top of it all and had chicks and had. Uh, uh all the glory and all that stuff but he was actually uh the, the, the devotees aren't listening to you anymore you know we saying you're living on borrowed time so you just have to suck up now and try and get what you can because it's going to go away
1: i'm going to, and i want to i want to I wanna veer the conversation now from the lyrics to the production <laughs> and um
4: oh, i cannot
1: I Uh, Yeah, that's a major pivot because (laughs) (laughs) I've been dying to talk about the overproduction, the Mm -hmm. horns overpower everything in this song, almost everything in the song. I would love to have the opportunity to listen to the master tracks and take the horns out completely, (laughs) you know. How do you really feel, Alice? (laughs) <laughs> that's how i really feel Kristen. <laughs> yeah don't miss words
0: <laughs> but you know but for us uh, us fans that's all the only way we ever heard it you yeah. know so we never you know you guys recorded your basic tracks and uh you know you can't see each other so you're really grooving and you do all this stuff and you go back on the road and then, you know, however long it is, you hear this, you go, what the hell is that shit? You know, you know, <laughs> and I and I get that. But as a fan, we did not, unfortunately, never got to hear you, your raw live tracks like that and from the studio, which I would love to hear. I, I too, yeah. would love to hear. But from a fan standpoint, we were used to this type of stuff, particularly producers like Richard Perry and, and others, they, they did stuff like this. You guys were kind of a, a pop medium. You know, you weren't real hard rock. You weren't real, you know. So there was, uh, he did a lot of production on you guys. Mm-hmm. and Too and much. That, <laughs> <laughs> and from the artist standpoint, it was too much. But, you know, uh, yeah, there are some things, you know. Now this particular song, I didn't mind, you know, I don't mind the horns and all that. I really don't. I think, you know, but I played bass clarinet. So I'm used to have a baritone sax sitting behind me blaring away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and you had some big name guys, uh, Jim Keys and, uh, you know, Keys. I mean, Bobby Keys, excuse me. And uh, I forget the other gentleman's name, but these were, these were big session players. So yep. me reading these liner notes going, oh, <laughs> you yeah. got these guys, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, cool. And so, hmm. yeah. So it's a different perspective from us.
2: I 100% agree with you, Byron. I feel the same way. I have to actually stop myself to to listen to the horns separate
1: from the track. That's only because to... I've bitched about it so much. Right. <laughs> yeah, listen <laughs> you to You get it. to bitch. Yeah, listen to it in the second verse. June, oh, no. June, yes, okay. Now, June's guitar <laughs> yeah. is gone, but not only is June's guitar, wonderful guitar gone, Gene's bass disappears, Nikki's oh, yeah. piano disappears, and what oh, yeah. you get is this kind of flat wall of sound that's dominated by those frickin' horns.
2: It's a little yeah. burlesque sounding almost.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what oh.
2: I mean? It's a, it's a really? carnival oh,
0: really oh see, I wouldn't have uh, Carnival carnival
2: esque, I, I guess, what I hear.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I would go with that more because I've been to burlesque. <laughs> Byron, oh, wait,
1: what are you talking about? <laughs> there are a lot of secrets <laughs> that we don't know.
2: Exactly. Well, Alice and Byron, I shared with Jean, well, but Alice, I shared with Jean and June your quote about the overproduction mm-hmm. and I re- can't wait for you to hear their responses. Oh, okay. Well, it's funny because that's Alice was saying that as well, which is gets to the idea of why she was so upset when Richard overproduced this, meaning borrowed time, with the horns. Because what Alice was saying is, she said, I was listening to June's playing, you know, and just reminded of how unbelievable she was. And then comes the second verse, I wanted to hear more June. And and her her (laughs) quote was, you know, I wanted to listen to June, and instead I got these horns. She said, it was like a needle in my ear.
3: (laughs) Well, and also, Jean disappeared. Uh, within the the you know those horn parts that are on the, that are on the low end. I mean that's what happens. And there was no real call to have it because we were slamming it just fine. Jean was taking care of the bottom end, so everything that they did in that area interfered with what
2: she was doing. Quite frankly, uh, I think I think with all of you actually it interfered. Mm-hmm.
4: I think that Richard was thinking with the producer's overview, we want to include horns and stuff. He wasn't thinking about. How the band intrinsically sounded you know so he just he didn't have an overall view I think of what we were about Well let's put it this way he did
3: it when we weren't there
5: you have titles oh, you grab
2: Hashtag Ask Alice. the other part of our episode this week is on our outro and why we picked charity ball. So for those that don't know Byron what's an outro? Well,
0: <laughs> in the in in simple terms it's the out uh, you know we say introduction and we call it an intro and so we just said outro. It's a it's an industry thing. We intro and outro means it's the ending. And so I guess I don't know really where it came from. I never really Googled that part of it, but it's just intro outro has always been the terms I've always heard and used Mm -hmm. uh, for that and all that. So, yeah, it's it's kind of an industry thing. So now, you know, it pays to listen anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And just for the heck of it, this is our outro.
2: So also tell us a little bit about Charity Ball, Byron. I know you know a lot about stats on this.
0: Well, this one, well, yeah, because this this is how I discovered the band um, real quick. I was mowing lawns, you know, back in 71. And when this single came out, you know, it um, it officially on Billboard hit number 40. So it was officially a top 40 hit. But in other regions, like in Chicago, it hit number nine for two weeks and I think, uh, it was like number one in Denver and Washington and number four in, in New York and an area in different areas. So regionally, it, it was in these areas were pretty it was a pretty big hit. Uh, you know, number nine in Chicago for two weeks. You know, yeah. you're, you're selling some records, you know, and that was pretty cool. And um, the so and the the thing about it is, you know, is Butterboy ended up. I know we're kind of talking a little bit out of here, but Butterboy was technically a larger hit. It went further up the charts, I think, 35 or something like that. But charity Ball is more well known. it is the had the it just it just hangs on and attached and it's it was,
1: more well known as attached to being fanny.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that and it's not putting down the other version of Fanny, you know at all. It's just you know they had the bigger hit, but for some odd reason charity ball has had legs on it and just held on it and just and again, that's an industry term, you know it just mm-hmm. it just keeps uh, keeps going on and on.
2: And it's an, uh, it's an incredible song. And for those that don't know the backstory of this song, we're hoping mm-hmm. to share with you a big secret so that you'll never listen to it the same way again. So, Alice,
1: well, tell us. <laughs> the, first, the first thing is that you never, ever, ever, ever disinvite us to a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> because it was June, Jean, and myself at Fanny Hill. And we'd been, uh, we had been invited to a New Year's Eve party at Abe Sommer's house. He was our lawyer. And he had um, either a girlfriend or a fiancé who was feeling a bit insecure, apparently. And we were disinvited. So we were pissed. I mean, we were really, really upset about it. So we sat around the, the dining room table at Fanny Hill. And it was dance, ooh screw you, fuck you, charity ball. I mean, it was not stand, <laughs> dance, stand, move. It was dance, fuck, screw. And any other <laughs> expletive that we could throw in there, you know, it was It was like, hey, what are you so afraid of? You know, four chicks, uh, three chicks. I mean, Nikki wasn't there, you know, but we were really upset that we had been disinvited, really dissed. Yeah.
2: Let's just add three really hot, beautiful chicks. But yes, I hear you. (laughs) Well, let's hear what Jean and June had to say about it.
4: Well, as far as I can remember, we were pretty upset because we had been invited to a New Year's Eve party at our lawyer, Abe Summer. We had been invited to his house. And then for some reason, his girlfriend at the time, who became his wife, didn't want us there. I don't know why. But You don't know? I mean, uh, three or four gorgeous chicks who could play.
3: June, <laughs> uh, by the way.
4: Uh, well, so then we were disinvited to the party, and we were thinking, God, that's really pretty horrible. And so we we sat mm-hmm. around in the living room. I don't Were the orig- original lyrics were not Charity Ball, was it, June? What, what, did you oh, no, it was F- you <laughs> basically <laughs> F-U. We were just yelling and just pounding on...
3: Table. I don't even know if Alice had drumsticks or not, but we were just so frustrated, you know, so we just let it out.
0: Yeah, I still hear when I hear. You're laughing my ass off because I'm not going to listen to that the same way, right? Oh, no, I
2: love you've got my number. That's just such a burn. Oh, yeah.
1: Whenever I hear oh, this yeah. song, I go straight back to that dining room table. You oh, know, man. and that's that's a long time ago.
2: That's a long time ago. I actually sang the original lyrics to myself.
0: <laughs> I'll be singing them here on out. You know, this is great. <laughs>
2: And, Alice, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting this right, but I believe this was the first American performance that Fanny did on a variety show? Yeah. For the Sunny and Cher show, correct? Yeah. This is where... It re-
1: we did Charity Ball, uh, lip-synced, um, and it was um, not their first show.
0: No. No, it was their summer replacement show. Uh, they did six episodes, and I think you were on the fifth episode. Yeah. Uh, so around August... That's probably where I first heard it because I watched that show uh, with my parents. My mom likes share, uh, So uh, we watched that stuff, you know, your wholesome, you know, Carabinet, that kind of crap. So we watched that kind of stuff all the time. I had a terrible childhood, but anyway.
2: <laughs> I'd love to hear June's memory of all of you lip syncing on Sunny and Cher.
3: I, I don't really remember doing Charity Ball because we uh, lip synced it. What I do remember is that. Um, Cher sent Sunny to our dressing room and we were invited to go to their dressing room because she was really excited to meet us and I'll never forget when the door opened she had curlers on and she had her makeup people there and she looked up and that smile that lit up her face I will never forget that it was so she was so glad to see us you know some company and she really wanted to meet us and I, I thought that was amazing and and just great you know she was so welcoming i don't even remember what was said
0: and if you uh watch the uh, charity ball clip that we have up on the website um over at youtube she is talking to phyllis diller afterwards and and i left that part in um, she goes, She talks about you guys. That it, you know, it's really great. You know, and Phyllis Diller is like waiting for her cue to do her joke. You know, and you can see Phyllis Diller going, "Yeah, Cher, just move on. I want my line. You know. I, I'm, I'm I'm on scale here. Let's move on." Um, and and Cher is kind of off script there, and, and Phyllis Diller is just yeah that's great you
5: yeah know, like, yeah <laughs> but
0: anyway but so she was to, and i think you know just a fellow chick you know getting along uh with another singer it's cool yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely and alice what was it like lip syncing it was
1: really shitty <laughs> i mean there's no there's absolutely no fun in trying to look like you're playing rock and roll drums when you can't hit the drums because the rest of the band then cannot hear the track that they have to sync their lips to
0: uh,
2: yeah yeah <sighs> Jean, Jean and june had, had...
0: <laughs> once again tell us your real feelings there, right? Shitty. <laughs> Shitty. Yes.
2: well and Jean and june had similar responses to having to lip sync let's start with Jean.
4: well do you remember playing it then do you remember oh um... i do remember playing it was you know because we were lip syncing to it it was hard to get the energy up to do that and mm. uh I think I remember I was disconcerted because there was no chord coming out of the guitars. <laughs> you know, that's that that's sort of bogus <laughs> to miss that little point. You know. Yeah, the Jean gets
1: disconcerted about a little chord. What did June have? <laughs> Didn't June have something to say about it too?
3: I think it was much harder for Alice because she had to actually pretend to hit the drums. So she was hitting the drums lightly, she couldn't hit them really loud because. Uh, we'd hear it and would throw us off because we had to actually listen to the track and not get off from it. But I mean, what a terrible thing to have for her to have to do and she, you know, could really do it.
0: No, the podcast is not over. Don't stop.
2: <laughs> I love the last line of you guys singing out of, of the, you know, the outro of I want to be there again, takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well, now That's you know this, it, it, the song takes a whole different meaning now. It's just like,
2: man. Wow. And Byron, uh, we're using the single version of charity ball, right? Cause
0: there are two uh, versions of this. Yes, we are using the single version because, and that gets me pissed off uh, just as much as Alice had to lip sync or not pretend to play. You know, uh, when you're 14 years old and you've worked all summer for your goddamn money, <laughs> 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 you go out and you hear this single and you go buy the album because it's it's a big deal to spend five dollars on an album. And it's I actually deal. spent ten dollars because I bought both albums because like, oh, there's a first album too. Bought those, come home and uh, I'm gonna excuse me, but the fucking song was <laughs> different. <laughs> and it's like, are you? kidding me. I was like, oh, I was, I'm still getting livid. I mean, all these years <laughs> later, I'm like, what the hell is that? So now I got to convince my mother to drive me back to the record store so I can buy the stupid single. Watch your you blood know, pressure.
1: Single. Watch your blood pressure. <laughs> it, was only 70,
0: it was only 74 cents, yeah. but
1: still. Byron, still. Byron, you know, watch it. Yes. Watch, watch your blood, blood pressure. Oh, I know? Know. I know.
0: I know. And this is where I get, oh man, and you're not the only group that did this. Three Dog Night was famous for this and other groups, and it just... And it got to the point where I quickly learned I had to ask people when I bought the album, hey, is this so, is this the single version or the album version? And they go, oh no, it's a, you, know, uh, you know you got to go over and buy a stupid single too, you know. And it's like, oh my
2: god, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why we use the single version for our outro <laughs> because,
1: <laughs> because, because oh, no, because. because Byron made us oh
2: yeah oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. I, i'm not and, playing that other version yeah, no and we're and, trying you know. to keep keep byron calm
1: yeah keep him calm all right so let's keep byron calm byron would you give us a yep. social media please
0: Ah, uh, fuck yeah okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's see here Oh, over on twitter at rocks underscore fanny on instagram fanny rocks underscore 1970 on Facebook, just as Fanny Rock Band. On YouTube, Fanny Rocks. And you can drop by the official website at fannyrocks.com. And we have our four hashtags for questions for the group. And that's Ask Alice, June Jams JuneJams, GeneGenie. And Nikki notes. And there you go. Cool.
2: Yeah. And we also want to give a, a another shout out to Mike G Angelis, who is the host radio host of there. Once was a note who, because we not only think his show is fabulous, but Alice this week, you're doing, you're featured as the artist block. Yeah. On his show.
1: Yeah. He, he's got, he puts a different artist on every show. Um, and they get to pick, uh, six. It was four. And then it was six of their songs that influenced them. Um, as musicians, and so it's my turn on his uh, podcast tomorrow night on podbean.com, Absolutely. but I couldn't pick just six I, mm. I picked way too many, and I sent him <laughs> sent them to him and I said, okay, it's your choice you choose you, you make the choice and um, actually it would have been on last night because this is Friday. it would have been on Thursday mm. night. Mm-hmm. on Podbean.com, But anyway, he sent me back an email and he says, Nope, no editing. That's been my plan from the beginning. No, you know, that's mm-hmm. the policy. And I said, Oh, well now I feel guilty. You know, I can, I can <laughs> definitely cut something out. And he said, Nope, it'll be in there hundred percent of what you wanted. So oh, cool. Yeah.
2: So basically, what, like 45 minutes of Alice music? I, I love it. I don't know.
1: Some of it is stuff that influenced me. The first the first part of it is is drummers and drum parts that influenced me. And then towards the end, I just wanted to play some songs that I really, really love that maybe yeah. haven't been heard by a lot of people. Uh, some of them have. But anyway, it, it was a lot of fun, and I felt really, really honored to be asked to do it. That is cool. Yeah. Can't wait to hear it. And podcast fans, we
2: have a first-time contest. Byron, tell us about it.
0: Okay. Go back in my DJ voice here. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> we, uh We listen to win. On the yeah. Anyway, um, what we're going to do is I'm going to play uh, uh, six clips of Alice's drum parts from various six different songs. And you have to uh, tell us uh, either on social media or uh, email, whatever you choose, uh, the six correct song titles uh, from there. And <laughs> then what we're going to, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and and we're going to play the clip here a couple times. That way you can listen to it because it's only going to be played here on the podcast. And what you do is just say, like I said, you send in your six songs and then the all the correct winners, we're going to put into a hat. Literally, I put into a hat and we'll pull on the next podcast, on episode six, we will pull the winner live on the air. Woo-hoo. And <laughs> live on tape and uh
1: (laughs) and what is what do they win the i'm
0: gonna win the the live cd right the the live cd absolutely you you you're one of away. yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yes the live cd they get a copy of the live cd which is really cool and i'm sure alice may even be convinced to sign it for you so there you go very cool a little bonus so here's the uh i'll play the clip first time and then we'll uh let you listen to it And the drummer <laughs> falls down.
1: <laughs>
0: so those are your six clips. And that last and,
1: clip uh, is hilarious. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I always call the drummers falling downstairs. Yeah, blunka blunka blunka. You know the uh, typical. <laughs> yeah. You didn't do that very often, so. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But all that. But also uh, the clips I picked. Also, I highlighted some of Gene's bass too. I mean, you know, that's yeah. uh, some. So you guys, I mean, really formed uh, tight tight package there. So let me uh let me play the clip one more time. That way people want to back up the podcast. Let me play it one more time. it already Alice for God's <laughs> sake <laughs>
1: I know that sounds so stupid but anyway uh, I hope everybody please have fun with the contest Oh, absolutely. Um, give us your answers and uh, Byron hit it
2: And Alice, what was it like lip syncing? It was really shitty.